I invite you to turn uh, to the book of Revelation uh, this morning, Revelation chapter 3, verses uh, 14 through 22. We're going to uh, just take a one-week break from the Gospel of Luke, and I was thinking about our, uh, our, our passage last Sunday and Christ's call to discipleship. He calls us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. And uh, that call of the Lord Jesus Christ is not only to shape our lives as individuals, but it's also meant to shape our, our life together as a church, that we are, we are to be a, a community of self-denying, cross-bearing Jesus followers. Uh, that is, that's a high calling. Right? We, we, we cling to the, the cross of Christ for our salvation, and we take up the cross of discipleship as we follow the Lord Jesus. And there are a host of hindrances to faithful discipleship, aren't there? Uh, and this morning, I want to simply think about one potential threat to faithful discipleship in the church. And uh, that is spiritual apathy as we look at Revelation chapter 3. Now, you know that uh, this letter to the Laodiceans, it is the seventh of seven letters to the churches. And um, what's striking about them is this is Jesus himself writing the letter. Right? John, John writes it, but these letters are to be heard as letters from the Lord Jesus himself to the seven churches, of course, symbolic for the church. This is a letter for us, dear friends. And so... As we read this letter, let's first pray and ask for God's help today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and all of its comforts and challenges. And we ask that today you would give us open hearts to receive all that you would say to us. Draw us, Lord, out of apathy and stir our hearts once again. Help us to be zealous disciples and a church that follows after the Lord Jesus Christ because we know that he is more important and better than life itself. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, chapter 3, Revelation, verses 14 through 22. Let's hear God's word. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous 
and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, I didn't start drinking coffee until I married Kelsey. Uh, And uh, if you're an avid coffee drinker, you may be thinking, how did you live for the first 25 years of your life? But uh, my family, they they weren't coffee drinkers. And so I didn't start until a new home, a new bride, and I would wake to a cup of hot coffee in the morning. And I quickly grew to appreciate it, uh, especially cold winter months like this. I enjoy waking up in the morning to a cup of hot coffee. Even in the summertime, I enjoy it, but perhaps on those really hot summer days, uh, sometimes I also enjoy a cup of iced coffee. If you're a coffee drinker or maybe a tea drinker, you like your coffee or tea either hot or cold. That's why you never see on the shelves at uh, the store a, uh, a lukewarm coffee maker, right? You'll never go to Starbucks and, and hear the person in line in front of you say, hey, can I, can I just have some coffee that's been sitting out for a few hours? Um, you'd never hear that. Maybe, maybe you've had this experience, you, you've been working at your desk and uh, you, you've lost track of time and Without thinking about it, you've, you've reached out and you've picked up your cup of coffee and you've taken a sip and, and what do you want to do? You want to, you want to spit it back into your cup because when it comes to coffee, it's best either hot or cold, right? Jesus takes this idea and he applies it to the spirituality of the church in Laodicea. Uh, he, he takes a sip of the Laodiceans, and he wants to spit them out. Uh, And that's because he tastes their spiritual apathy, their, their lack of love, their lack of devotion, their lack of zeal, and it it makes Jesus want to, to spit them out. They are bored with God. Now, if you think about it, that really is what is at the heart of spiritual apathy. Boredom with God, boredom with Christ, boredom with the gospel. And a spiritually apathetic person could could be someone who who comes to church regularly, engages in the worship service in some capacity, and yet for them, it's all all very ho-hum. And such spiritual apathy in the church of Laodicea To Jesus is like taking a sip of lukewarm coffee. Uh, He he wants to spit them out. Actually, the word is vomit. Uh, He wants to throw them up. That's what Jesus is saying here. Now, when you think about it, in some ways, Jesus' gag reflex to spiritual apathy, it's kind of shocking, isn't it? Because... Maybe you think as you read this letter, okay, okay, I, I, I see spiritual apathy. It's a, serious, it's a serious offense to the Lord. But 
aren't there more pressing matters? Right? Aren't, there, aren't there more serious sins that Jesus ought to be addressing as he writes to the Laodiceans? Maybe he ought to take up the issue of, of false teaching in the church, as he does in some of the other letters. Maybe he ought to address licentiousness, uh, as he does in some of the other letters. But uh, he, he doesn't do that here. And, and what's interesting to notice is as he speaks to the Laodiceans, while he had something positive to say to all of the other six churches, while Jesus addresses the topic of spiritual apathy, he has no compliments for the Laodiceans. It is the only letter in, of the seven in which Jesus has nothing positive to say. Now, what, what that tells us is, I, I think, that there is something more dangerous, more problematic, more concerning about spiritual apathy than we may at first realize. It might just be, dear friends, it might just be one of the most dangerous spiritual diseases to infect Christians and to infect the church. What makes, part of what makes spiritual apathy so, so dangerous, though, is, is how easily it can go unnoticed, right? Um, the Laodiceans, they, they weren't being led away from orthodoxy by false teaching. They weren't, they weren't sacrificing biblical convictions on the altar of cultural relevance. No, instead, they, they were suffering the slow and silent death of spiritual mediocrity. And what's really, I think what's really disturbing when you think about it is this, this spiritual problem of the Laodiceans actually represents what many people in our culture today think religion ought to be. Uh, you know, the kind of religion that gives you some ground for morality, a sense of peace in life, but, but not a faith that demands a total reorientation of your life around the Lord Jesus Christ. Not, not a faith that calls us to lay down our lives before the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, we hear the message, don't we? You know, it's, it's okay if you're a Christian. Just, just don't take it too far. It's okay for you to be a Christian, but don't, don't get weird. Uh, it, it's okay for you to be a Christian, but don't, you don't want to be one of those crazy Christian fundamentalists, do you? You know, the assumption of our culture really is that Christianity is just like the other religions of the world. At the end of the day, it's nothing more than a crutch. A crutch that you get out when you're hurt. But my friends, you don't carry your crutch with you everywhere you go. You leave it in the closet most of the time. And so you see the middle of the road, cruise control, easy Christianity. While it's just fine, I think, with our culture most of the time. Jesus says it disgusts him. This letter from Jesus, it, it is opposed to what our culture and our world says religion ought to be. And so Christ speaks here to his beloved bride, to his church, to, to draw them out of apathy. 
And he, he warns us about apathetic Christianity that would, that would yawn at the message of the cross and, and engage in half-hearted myopic discipleship. And so this warning of Christ, it, it's intended to rid the church of apathy and reinvigorate our hearts with love and service for the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want us to see today is how this letter does that. So three things this morning. The first thing I want us to see and think about is the problem of spiritual apathy. In other words, I want us to to see why this is such a dangerous issue in, in the church. Why is it that we should be deeply concerned if we find ourselves spiritually apathetic? Right, right away, we're confronted, confronted with a challenge, and, and that is that spiritually apathetic people are not prone to ask why their spiritual apathy is a serious problem, right? When we're apathetic, or even apathetic about our apathy. So for some, the concern about spiritual apathy isn't a concern. And the first thing Jesus wants to make very clear to us is that for him, it is a deep, deep concern. And that's because, my friends, the real problem of apathy, this is what I want us to understand, the real problem of apathy is not apathy in itself. The real problem of apathy is the one we are apathetic about. In other words, the, the, the real problem of apathy is not, you know, a lack of emotion or a lack of zeal, first of all. But the real problem of apathy is the object of our apathy. Uh, the one we are apathetic about. And as Christians, sometimes we find ourselves being apathetic about the most glorious and good and gracious and majestic person in the universe the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the real problem of apathy and what's so concerning about it is the one we are apathetic about. At its core, at its core, apathy is being bored with the glory and grace and goodness of Jesus Christ. And so to be apathetic about him indicates that we do indeed have have a real problem. And, and it's, it's, it's not just the boredom or half-heartedness that is the problem. The problem is to behold the glory and majesty of Jesus Christ and then to shrug our shoulders. I think, I think that's actually why this letter begins with the introduction that it does. And if you look at the opening verse in verse 14, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, This is about Jesus, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. It's meant to give us a glimpse of the glorious one who is addressing his bride. He is the Amen. He is the one who fulfills all of the promises and the purposes and the judgments of God. He is the faithful and true witness. He speaks the truth. He reveals God. He tells the truth about God and about us. And he is the beginning of creation. Now that word beginning doesn't mean that Christ was the first created being. It means he is 
He is the source. He is the one through whom God made all things. What does John tell us in his gospel? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And this letter is is opening up and saying to the church of Laodicea, you see, he is the most glorious person in the universe, and he is the Lord God himself. And Laodicea, this is who you're apathetic about. Well, brothers and sisters, what, what, about, what about us? You know, there are a lot of things I'm apathetic about, and it's of little consequence. There are a lot of things you and I can be apathetic about, and I think we can be forgiven for. I, I'm apathetic about who's going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's of little consequence to me. Um, but there are other things that if I were to be apathetic about, you might begin to wonder, there, there, there's, something, there's something wrong with him. You know, I, uh, last Sunday night, talking with uh, Denny and Kathy Meehall after the evening service, they, they, were, they were describing the, the, the beauty and the splendor of the, the Grand Tetons. Now, what, what if I uh, have never seen this, these mountains before? I get off of a plane... And I just, you know, kind of glance at these mountains and, and I behold the beauty and the splendor and the glory on display. And then I just shrug my shoulders and walk away. If you were with me, you'd think, what, what's wrong with this guy? I'll take, a, take another illustration. Imagine you were at a middle school art fair. And, uh, you know, you're walking through the hall and you're surveying all of the art displays and you're not too impressed. You can be forgiven for that. Um, Some of the students may have even been apathetic about their art fair project and taken the modern art approach and just, voila, art, right? Um, You'd be forgiven for that. But let's say, let's just say this. Let's say you're taken to see uh, Mona Lisa by Da Vinci, or the Statue of David by Michelangelo, or, uh, or is it Starry Night by Van Gogh? And you behold these beautiful works of art, and you look at them, and you, and you yawn, and you say, is it, time, is it time for lunch yet? You know, somebody who has the eyes to see the beauty and the intricacy involved in that would think, there's something, there's something wrong with your perception, my friend. You see, the core issue with apathy is not so much a lack of emotion or zeal. The core issue with apathy is the one we are apathetic about. The Lord Jesus Christ, who is, who is more worthy of our devotion, our love, our affection, our very lives than anyone in this universe. So the problem of apathy, you see, it is, it is this chasm that exists between the identity of who Jesus Christ is and our, at times, apathetic, ho-hum worship and service of him. And so when you realize that that is the core issue with apathy, then, then we begin to see why it is such a big deal to Jesus. 
Because in some ways, spiritual apathy, it is one of the most dangerous sins there is. And so Jesus wants us to know this is a serious problem. But there's a second thing Jesus wants us to see in this letter. And that is the cause of apathy. Why do, why do we find ourselves... By the, this is about Christians, dear friends. Why do we as Christians sometimes find ourselves apathetic about our faith? You know, why, why is it sometimes believers lack zeal? It's a question I've asked myself. It's a question I, I'm sure you have asked yourself at times. Why, why is it? Where, where is my zeal, my excitement for Christ? Here I am at, at church today. Worshiping the Lord. Where is the love? Where is the joy that I have experienced before? And so it's worth asking the question, what is it that causes spiritual apathy? How, how does someone become lukewarm? I think the Bible tells us many different causes of spiritual apathy. And this letter is not about all of those causes, but it is about one. And I think it is actually about one of the primary causes of spiritual apathy in the, in the Christian life. So, so what is it? Jesus calls basically this, if I could summarize it, self-sufficiency. Uh, self-reliance in this passage is what produces a mediocre, bored, apathetic Christian and a bored, mediocre, apathetic church. The illusion that, that, we can, uh, that we can manage things on our own. The illusion and the lie that, you know, maybe we, we shake Christ's hand on the gateway into the Christian life, but thanks Jesus, I have it from here. Uh, the, the mistaken idea that we do not depend upon Christ for everything in the Christian life. You see, the Laodiceans had bought the lie that they were essentially self-sustaining. And Jesus says he tastes this. He finds it all distasteful. So he says he's going to spit the Laodiceans out of his mouth. And notice the language of verse 17, beginning four. You know, here is what's behind your lukewarmness. Here is the reason I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. I want you to think about those last three words with me for a moment. I need nothing. It would be hard, wouldn't it? I, I think it would be hard to find anything in the Bible more anti-Christian than that. It would, it would be hard to find a statement any more opposed to a Christian confession than those three words. It would be hard to find anything more anti-gospel than saying from your heart, I need nothing. To say, I'm fine as I am. I don't really need Christ. And so you see, the cause of mediocrity for many professing Christians is to say in colloquial way, I got this. Right? It is perhaps not something we would ever dare do explicitly, but implicitly, by the way we live our lives, 
We are communicating to the Lord Jesus, I got this. I, I, don't, I don't really need you every moment of every single day. And it's this self-reliance that destroys the dependence that we must have if we are going to be humble, loving, devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this self-sufficiency and the way that it leads to apathy, I think we can illustrate it in other areas of our lives because it's a pattern we can see in different places. One of the ways we see this pattern worked out is often in in sports. You know, you have this athlete who has convinced himself, I'm the greatest in the world, the most talented and because of that, they begin to say to themselves, well, I don't really need to be coached. I don't really need, I don't really don't need my team. They're an inconvenience. I don't really need to be disciplined and train. And what inevitably happens? They become subpar, apathetic athletes. Now, I, I, um, the only sport I follow is soccer, so you're just going to have to deal with soccer illustrations. Um, you know, I've seen, I've seen soccer players who are incredibly talented and, and clubs pay millions and millions of pounds uh, to get this player on their squad. And then he's a total flop. Why is that? Often it's because that man had convinced himself, I need nothing. I'm good enough. I don't really need direction. I don't really need to to depend upon others for success. I need nothing. You see, my friends, there are are a lot of lessons we can can draw this from in other areas of life. Prideful self-sufficiency produces spiritual apathy. And so for some of us, the cause of our apathy is our tendency to think and say, maybe just within our hearts, I've got this. That we're, that we're self-reliant when really we're not. And we, and we try to live the Christian life as though we didn't need Jesus for everything. And there's a lot, there's a lot of things that can lead to this kind of self-sufficiency. Wealth can lead to this kind of self-sufficiency. Laodicea, the congregation, they were wealthy people and it went to their heads. success, status can lead to this kind of self-sufficiency. Well, I'm successful. Seems like everything I touch becomes gold. Everything I do goes my way. My friends, that can can have dangerous spiritual consequences. Um, Intelligence can lead to spiritual apathy. Well, I'll I'll just reason this out for myself. I can figure it out on my own. I can do this myself. But my friends, whatever it is, This passage is prompting all of us to ask the fundamental question, what is it that I am trusting in more than Jesus Christ? What what is it that instead of relying upon Christ for all things, what is it that I'm relying upon? This story or this letter is here to to tell the church that self-sufficiency, it will suck the life out of you. It leads to apathy instead of affection for the Lord Jesus. Mediocrity instead of 
meditation on the grace of Christ and indifference instead of interest in the Savior. And so what, so what then should we do about spiritual apathy? You know, we need to keep going in this letter because Jesus doesn't just identify the problem of apathy or point out its cause. But he goes on to give his people a solution. He goes on to give his, his divine prescription, as it were, for the disease of spiritual apathy. You see, while this letter, it, 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 it's, it's hard, <laughs> what it really is doing is it's showing us Christ's deep, deep love for his people. He doesn't just want them to, uh, to rot away in, in spiritual slumber. He doesn't just come to them and say, look, you, you've got a problem and here's the cause. Now you better figure it out. No, he comes to them and, and, and with love and firm honesty says to them, you do have a problem. Here is the cause. Let me show you the correction. Let me show you the solution in order that we might enjoy unmitigated fellowship with one another. And here's the solution Jesus gives us. He's basically saying this, realize your desperate need and return to Christ and buy from him. Realize your desperate need and return to Christ and buy from him. Now there are really two parts to that, aren't there? So let's unpack both of those. The first part is an honest recognition of our need. That is the, the point of the second part of verse 17. You say you need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. So here is the first part of Christ's solution to this problem. See yourself for who you really are. The first phase of getting over apathy is to recognize your real condition apart from, from Christ. Do you notice, notice the contrast between the, the Laodiceans' perception of themselves and Jesus' perception of them? He's saying, you, you guys are not what you think you are. Behind the facade of having it all together and having this Christianity thing down pat, you are in fact a mess. As he says, your condition isn't cheerful, it's wretched. You're not rich, you're poor, you don't see, you're blind, you wear those extravagant clothes, Laodiceans, when in fact before God you are naked. So here's the first step to, to get rid of apathy, a fresh recognition of our own condition apart from Christ, an honest recognition of our own need and weakness. You know, we need to have our eyes open to see who we really are. And frankly, that's not easy, is it? I mean, what are we good at as sinful people? We're good at recognizing and seeing the weaknesses and the failures of others, but we're not so good at seeing the weaknesses and failures that exist in our own lives. Uh, ever, ever heard yourself uh, on a recording or seen yourself in a video and as you're listening and as you're watching, at least this is my experience. I think, do I, do I, really, do I really sound that way? <laughs> See myself in a video, oh, do I, really, do I really look like that? And I say, I didn't know I sounded that way. I didn't know I looked that way. My friend, spiritually, Jesus is saying that this is what you need. 
a fresh look at ourselves where we realize that while we thought we looked one way, in fact, it's another way. So this is the first part of Christ's solution to apathy, an honest look at ourselves to to realize that our sinful tendency is to convince ourselves that we are self-sufficient when in fact we are desperately needy people. You know, we think we're great when we're not. That's what Jesus is saying. You know, the uh, opening rounds of, uh, boy, American Idol, I think it is. The, the rounds people love to watch. Why is it? Because you get these people who stand before the judges and they sing and uh, you're just, you're, you're cringing, right? It's painful to listen to. The judges know it right away. Everyone watching knows it right away. And yet, what do some of those singers do when they leave? What do they know? Right? I, I, sound, I sound just fine, thank you very much. You see what Jesus is doing? Jesus is coming to Laodicea and he's saying, Beloved, that's you. You think you're okay. You think you sound great. You think you're great when in fact you're not. But Jesus wants to, to draw us out of such self-delusion which leads to this spiritual apathy and it has to begin here, an honest assessment of ourselves. That's the first part. What's the second step? What does Jesus say? Jesus says, come, come to me. Buy, buy from me. Jesus is using merchant language. He, he knows the Laodiceans are wealthy people and they like to spend their wealth. And so Jesus is saying to them, you need to shop at a different store. You, you need to come to me and buy what no one else, no other market in this world can give you. And so he says to them, buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. What is Christ doing? Christ is declaring himself to be the ultimate solution, the ultimate answer, the ultimate thing that satisfies So here then is the solution to to spiritual apathy at the end of the day. Yes, a fresh recognition of who we are and then ultimately a renewed discovery of how satisfying Jesus Christ really is. How much we really need him. That he makes, what's he saying here? I make the poor truly rich. I clothe the naked in garments of divine righteousness. And so the solution to apathy is to realize it's not, it's not I need nothing, but it's I need Christ. And tomorrow it's I need Christ. And then the day after that it's I need Christ. And every day until glory, and into glory this will be our declaration. I need Christ, who is the most glorious and beautiful and desirable person in the universe. And so you see, this is the loving discipline of Jesus in this letter. He rebukes the Laodiceans because he loves them. That's a key to get. And he wants them to know afresh the joy and satisfaction 
that he alone can provide for his people. So he says, be zealous and repent. Arise from your spiritual apathy by seeing yourself and your need and by returning to me and I will give you everything you need. Now, like so much of the book of Revelation, this passage is actually rooted in an Old Testament passage in Isaiah 55. Just listen to these words. This is the Lord speaking to Israel. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Now, do you see what Jesus is doing? He's taking that passage and he's applying it to himself. The Lord Yahweh, Jesus Christ, is declaring, I am the ultimate feast, I am the ultimate banquet. I am the ultimate thing you need. And you don't need the money of this world to come to me and buy what you need. I will give you what you need without price. And so the Lord Jesus, he speaks here to his his beloved bride, the church, and and he invites them to to return and to purchase from his abundant provision to come and drink to their soul's delight. And so Jesus wants to draw his people, not just the Laodiceans. These are letters for the churches. Jesus wants to draw his people out of spiritual apathy. And he tells us how that happens. It begins by, first of all, recognizing what the real problem of apathy is. It is not in and of itself apathy, but the one we are apathetic about. And the cause of that kind of spiritual apathy is a failure uh, to, to really see our absolute need for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, here's what you need. A fresh look at how desperately you need me. And here's a free invitation to return to me and enjoy the riches and fullness that are found in me and me alone. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, we need Christ. We can never say as Christians, I need nothing. We must always say, I need Christ. And so this passage, it calls us to be zealous for him. Because he is indeed the most glorious and grace-filled and majestic one in all of the universe. And this passage reminds us today Dear friends, he is everything that you and I need. So let us return to him. Let's pray together. Lord, we confess today that we have at times been apathetic in our faith. We've convinced ourselves that really we're okay on our own. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would pull us out of that and away from that. And once again, in your grace, draw us to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is full of grace and mercy and love for his people. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.